0: My name is Ella Femme and this is Deprivation Discourse. Every episode I sit down with young people and professionals and we have a real open discussion about what it is to be a young person in poverty today. You can find out more info about the research project behind this podcast at deprivationdiscourse.com. So I'm here today with Shauna McCauley who's the Member of the Youth Parliament for South Tyneside. Hello. Hi. Hi. <laughs> um, and I'm here with Georgie Nubbert who works at Children North East. Hello. Hello. Thank you so much for joining me today both of you. So I guess we'll start with where we are today. So we're in Children North East head office today which is um, in Newcastle. It's in the west end of Newcastle. Yeah. Thank you for having us here as well. It's lovely to have you here. <laughs> um, do you want to talk a little bit about what Children North East is and what you guys do and what you specifically do on the Poverty prevention team?
1: Okay, so um, Children North East was established in 1891 and um, now, um, as one of the oldest regional charities in the North East, um, has a, a number of different projects that support children and young people and families across the region, working ac- across sort of from um, m- maternity, from when mums are pregnant, right through to 25. Um, Within the schools' team specifically, um, we again, we have a number of different projects that work across that team, and I work predominantly on the project Poverty Proof in the School Day, which is about schools taking an in-depth look at the school day through the eyes of their poorer students. And the way that we do that is by speaking to children and young people in those schools and asking them about their experiences of school. From that comes normally some really interesting conversations which give school a unique insight into um into the school day that they might not have been been aware of previously. Um, And and highlight some things that, that, like I said, schools might have been unaware of where there are um, things that happen within school days that unintentionally mean that students that are grown up in poverty have a very different experience of the school day as well. So we work with schools, first of all, in highlighting what those issues are, but also looking at solutions to those issues about what can schools do to tackle some of these things to make sure that everybody that attends a school has um, an equality of experience. And also that some of those costs associated with school are making things even more difficult for families who are already finding things a struggle. Because we know there are lots of families out there who are already finding things a struggle.
0: Yeah. yeah. So when you talk about um, things that come up in school that make children who experience poverty's lives a little bit more difficult. What are what are those things, what are those reoccurring things that happen
1: in schools, are you able to talk about that? Okay, so there's lots of different things, I mean the, the big thing is we find in schools a culture of haves and have-nots around certain items so sometimes it's around branding of phones, it's around branding of shoes, it's around type of pencil case, so wherever children are bringing things item in from home where there's not consistency where schools haven't um, sort of had a, a school branded one or a school issue one where there's choice sometimes, that can really highlight differences um, but it's also those small things like um, trading cards in the playground who's got the big pack of cards just swap uh, to swap with each other and who might not um, so a, a real culture of haves and have nots sometimes in school but it's also sometimes the the smaller things around being able to access things like cake sales if cake sales are happening in school and having the 20 pence for tuck shop and and having just even sometimes those small amounts of money to really take part in all of the things that that are happening in schools mm. so schools will quite often say "Oh, we don't charge a lot of money to go to the after school club, it's only 50 pence a session but actually if families don't have any money, they don't have any money regardless of what the cost is so we'll find students missing out on some of those um, extracurricular or additional opportunities because of the costs associated with them as well, and therefore they don 't get a full experience of school day, so they get the lessons from nine till three, but they don't get all of those added extras that some of their children might get quite often because of cost
0: mm. so what are you meant to do because obviously we're talking about little kind of nuanced ways that um Like children experience these things like after school club and that kind of thing and trading cards I find that really interesting as well. I remember when I was at school when they had um, non-uniform day you would have to pay like a pound um, for non-uniform day. So what do you do about that and I guess what does children of these do to try and stop these kind of things from happening in schools. Yeah, so I guess it's
1: about, about being creative about some of these things. As a charity, we always go back to the first stage has to be hearing from children and young people about what they think about some of these issues. Um, that's what we're absolutely committed to, and that's what, what Poverty Proofing is about, really. Um, so so first of all, hearing that first-hand experience of some of these things. And then, like I said, it, it depends what, what issues come up when we speak to children and young people, but it's just about being creative, with some of these things you know the non-uniform day for example the pound donation if it's just a drop box that you put it in it was you going to school where nobody knows who's donated and hasn't donated is very different to the list in the classroom where you tick your name off if you've paid the pound and you don't tick your name off if you haven't paid the pound so just small things like this can make a really really big difference to how children and young people experience school
0: Mm. so we also talked a little bit about kind of the audit as well yeah. that you guys do so in the audit it's kind of like a report right of what you've seen and yeah. and what I found really great about this as well is that like you talk to every single child yes. in the school
1: which to me is just mind-boggling yeah <laughs> it's, it's, it's quite big. often a busy week but we get yeah. through uh, we haven't yet not seen everybody yeah
0: so, that's yeah. great that's really really good I um I was just how do schools react to the reports and how do is the Because my experience within researching these nuanced ways that children find the school days really different to each other is that, you know, no teacher goes in to schools to make children's lives worse, And it just, it makes a lot of sense to me to think that schools actually don't realise that these issues are happening and um, maybe place blame on other things, like kind of naughty kids and that kind of thing, when really kids can't afford things. Um, So yeah, what is the reaction from schools? And like, have you seen any really good, like, um, proactiveness from schools after you kind of went in and identified the problems
1: yeah so i mean yes to, to both of those things schools find it a challenge it's supposed to be a challenge we are there to ask questions about things that perhaps have never been asked questions about before um i i worked as a school uh, in a school as a teacher previous to this job and there are some things that are just common practice in school that i think nobody has stopped to ask why is that the case Um you know the just change campaign with money not being available the next day when people have started to ask why that's the case we're seeing something happen about that so sometimes it's just about asking that why question and um, a lot of the time in schools we'll hear the response it's always been that way, and actually, it just takes somebody coming along to, to ask that why question mm. that 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 will will bring about change. And um, like I said, we ski- we see schools get really really creative with some of the issues that we re- we raise with them. We've got a bank of. Um, of different things that we've seen schools do to address um, various different things that, that come up with reports and we're really keen to um, as part of poverty proofing to, to connect schools with each other where we've seen actually schools that are, are finding the same issue or challenge actually can they share what's happening or if we see mm-hmm. one school that's doing some really great things around uniform and another school that's finding st- um, things difficult with uniform we're going to sort of pair them together to, to share best practice and as far as um addressing and moving forward with some of these things as
0: well right i think one thing that you said earlier which really struck me was that young people experience these things and then you know you go and talk to them and you speak to every single young person yeah. and often the work that you do can kind of mediate from young people to schools and have that kind of access in a way that's um you know it doesn't it's a third party thing you know um do you find kind of being a mediator is a really is a better way to kind of raise these problems with school instead of you know young people who are experiencing these things to kind of come up to the school and, and say that to them
1: yeah it's really important because time and time again schools will say to us they wouldn't have said that to us they wouldn't have said what they've said to us as somebody that's third party um to a member of staff from school because of Because of fear of stigma around it, I guess, and um, and what the consequences of of saying something like that to a school might be. I think the other thing that's really important, as you touched upon earlier, is that we speak to every single student in a school. So we don't ask schools to tell us, Can we speak to your free school meal students or Can we speak to your pupil premium students? Because we know that actually there might be students in school that are in families where things are, are difficult when it comes to finances, but they might not be eligible for free school meals and they might not be eligible for people premium and that's why it's important that we hear everybody's experience not Mm. just those that may um may fall within a certain category or way of monitoring things Mm. in schools as well and I think that's the other reason that students are often so honest because again it's something that everybody in the school is taking part in.
0: Yeah I guess on the topic of young people being able to have agency to talk about the issues that they face in school um Shauna you're here representing young people which is great <laughs> oh I guess the young people of South Tyneside yeah um what is your role and kind of how much does your role have to do with representing young people who experience these issues
2: within schools I think a lot of the events we do. some schools focus on the um, children who wouldn't have the opportunity to come um, and then other ones it's like goes from like the highly achieving. and they want to bring the best students to and some schools are actually really good at bringing students in that would have no opportunity to do any work outside the schools in and I think their opinion and a lot of what they bring to the events is usually a lot, like, higher quality and stuff mm-hmm. that all want always want to get involved and stuff. And I have had a lot of, like, students come to us and go, oh, I've never done anything like this before. I never feel like I've had, like anyone's listen to us or anything like that and i think that's it's a huge thing for some like students and what we're trying to do with the event is just sort of get them to wear the uniform a lot i know we have been asked at events oh can we not just bring our own wear our own clothes and stuff like that but that's gonna limit so at the moment we've got this scope of young people that can everyone can access the event it's paid for they get like food when they're there mm-hmm. it's like great um but then, by turning around saying, "Oh yeah, but you've got to, you've got to wear what, y- whatever you want," I think that'd really limit the amount of people we're having. Mm. So, in that sense, it's great. And we've done work in schools before, a lot of like questionnaires and stuff like that. And a lot of the work that I've done on mental health, it has come back in saying that, like you know, not being able to meet the standards of the rest of the people around you has came out one of the top. And mm. um, these social standards about what you should be doing at the weekend even with like social media like oh you, you were in the household all, all weekend did you not want to go out like the whole expectation that like everybody has the money to be able to you know go eat out every weekend or you know like go to different parties and stuff like that and i think even even that in itself um showed a lot
1: yeah and we know there are huge links between mental health and poverty particularly mm-hmm. for young people as well so that's difficultly here, but not all that surprising, perhaps.
0: Yeah, I remember when I was doing a bit of work with Children Northeast. so the the context of this is that um, I was in a group called Poverty Ends Now, which I feel like I've talked a lot about on the podcast if you listen to the series. I'm like, Poverty Ends Now, Poverty Ends Now. But um, when I was 15, I was in a group put together by Children Northeast. East. Um, which is called Poverty Ends Now, and we looked at the issues that people in poverty faced, and it was national as well, it wasn't just yeah. local. And yeah, a lot of them was like bullying, and it was people experiencing bullying for the clothes that they wore, whether or not it was uniform or non-uniform. Um, and yeah, bullying is obviously a big part of young people's lives, but it, it has definitely, I think, transformed within schools to be about the things that you can afford. I guess the context as well of what Shona's talking about, people who aren't experienced with youth parliaments and that kind of thing, is that is um, on uh, Southside Young People's Youth
2: Parliament um, and they have events every, do you have three events every year? Yeah, mm-hmm. on a certain issue and the issue sort of changes. Yeah. Um, last year it was like body image, this year it's mental health.
0: Mm-hmm. And when I was involved, because I used to bathe in my youth parliament at Southside side, the issue that we did with poverty. so I remember that we had um, a consultation, because it is a consultation with young people and it's a consultation with young people um, in the community as well. The <laughs> cat and I remember we did about school uniforms and and it was really controversial and I don't know whether or not you've experienced any controversy with like when you were talking about mental health or when you're talking about body image but I just remember how people were really quite adverse to talking about poverty which I guess won't surprise you Georgina but um it's,
1: it's, I mean it's a word we use in schools so we use it with children from as young as reception right the way through to right. the sixth form um, and we go into schools and, and, and we're quite upfront and honest about about what that word means because for lots of children it, it is the reality and i think sometimes giving them them that word to to be able to talk about and understand is a really important one and actually we do want to address some of the stigma around it we want to dispel some of the the misconceptions and some of the stereotypes around that word poverty so it's about talking about it but but talking about what it really means and what it really means for, for children and young people in in the northeast in particular mm. um you know give some give some context to it as well
0: yeah I guess when we're talking about stigma a lot of what you do Shauna is about stigma and it's about not just about poverty but about mental health and about body image how can young people have a really important role in breaking down stigma in the community
2: I think it's a lot to do about the way they talk about it as well Absolutely, I think it's directed mainly through like social media and stuff like that so if you have you know somebody like really big and famous and talking about what they faced in the past and stuff it's like oh well that's okay because I think a lot with the poverty stigma it's like oh well if your parents just worked harder and it's like they don't understand Mm. that you know your parents could work so hard every single day and a lot of the jobs that, that they do are the hardest jobs and you can still be faced with poverty so I think that that's how I think that's how the mental health progressed so much as well with a lot of well-known people turning around and going, well, actually, you know, I've been faced with this in the past. Um, and, yeah, I think that is a, a huge thing. I think as well, it's the environment you're, you're surrounded with. So I've been to two schools, one school, one sixth form. There was so, there was so much stigma. You you'd get, like, even the silliest things, like uh, food tech, Not people like that not bringing food in. Or if they did manage to bring food in, if it was, like, smart price flour or something like that, they'd get laughed at in front of the entire class oh. and stuff like that. Whereas the sixth form I'm at, it's quite accepted. In a way, it's sort of normalised, um you know, people do go through these things and the school's quite accepting on it and there is talks about it quite regularly and a lot of um, the teachers are more open to it where I feel like at the school it was quite a closed book. So I think it's the environment as well. If if the more gets talked about, less stigma that is around it. Mm. You know, as as soon as one person sort of opens up, it's that sort of gateway for other people to turn around and go, well actually yeah, and that social support with like, you know, a, a group of people who are struggle and I think that can can help them in so many ways Mm -hmm. um so yeah I think that's the best way really uh, to stop the stigma
0: we were talking a little bit beforehand about the things that your school was doing and as well I got to visit STYPP where we talked with the young people about things that were being done in their schools that were trying to break down the stigma around poverty or just trying to help young people in poverty even if it wasn't really breaking down the stigma
2: Yeah, so these hygiene packs are sort of a new thing. I think they were starting to be introduced um, in my sixth form um, later to the end of term, and I think they're going to be properly launched in September. Um, The school has had a lot of funding for them, but um, I know a few schools in the area now who are sort of adopting them. And what they are is the... You can either go in for like a pack, and that's a hygiene pack that has like shower gel, a face wash, a shampoo conditioner, soap, that sort of thing. Or you could go in and say, actually I only need shampoo and conditioner, Um, and then they're just in a little like grey box, and I think you can get a brown bag or something. You can just put it in your school bag and no one knows about it and it is anonymous, so you could go in and it's not written down, it's not like the, the check and the to say if you're on free school for meals as well um, and it is done in the first aid room so, you know, there's not many questions if you go in the first aid room it, you you could have a blister, you, do you know what I mean mm-hmm. it's it's not that, where that's the room you're going to get it in, people are watching like, oh, why are they in that room so yeah, it is, it's, it's a really good thing, because I think a lot of people don't understand how expensive um, a lot of you know hygiene things are until you're sort of in that situation and you're faced with oh my goodness like you know three pound for shampoo yeah so they are being made more available it's just I think it's an initiative that a school's got to take on it's got to be able to find funding for um which is the issue it's yeah yeah, yeah. I guess on that topic then Jordina when it's
0: great to talk about things that happen in, in school because obviously I think it's young people spend 180 days in school, but then like, what happens outside of school, you know? And where do young people get, I guess, hygiene packs if they have that kind of initiatives, but also food if they're on free school meals what's what's happening there and what needs to be done
1: yeah so i mean there are some brilliant things happening particularly right now with it's over the the summer holidays with a a number of different projects across sort of the the region and some schools are setting things up some community organizations are establishing things we know that that children that normally access free school meals during the school holidays um are potentially going hungry when when it's not term time Um, and I think it's not just you know I read something the other week that said um, if if you're a parent of three children in receipt of free school meals who has maybe access as a free breakfast club as I know your school has Shana and also um, has a free school meal that's 180 extra meals to find over a six weeks period and again we know that this is a time of added cost because they're probably buying new school uniforms for September as well and stationary and the latest researchers suggest an IT equipment for school um, in the form of tablets and things as well um, at a time when childcare costs are perhaps a little bit more expensive and actually some families might um, might have to work less hours over the summer because of either childcare costs or because if they are on zero hour contracts as well it may mean that there's a reduction in that hour so actually um, the summer is just a, 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 a really heightened time where families mm. that are already struggling to, to stay afloat really feel that that added pressure of those um those increased costs when we're talking about poverty proofing as
0: well when we spoke a little bit before the podcast you were saying that Georgia Northeast are trying to do some work to poverty proof um food provision in the summer initiatives yeah so what's that about and how can that be done
1: yeah so what we're looking at is um you know lo- lots of places are doing some really great things but just around how do families access what provision there might be over the summer what sort of costs are there and what sort of barriers are there more importantly mm-hmm. um if if it's not free what sort of costs you know direct costs in terms of it costs you this much money to attend this 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 day's worth of holiday provision um but also the, the those sort of smaller costs again around do they have themed days where children need to take things in with them, and um, you know, where it might be costumes, are they charging for trips out? Those sorts of things, and um, you know, for the hours, are they convenient for, for families to access that? Does it support with childcare? Is transport easy? Are they being held in locations that are easy to fa- for families to get to? So, I think there's, that's you know, we always talk about our main piece of work is poverty proofing in schools, but actually, just this idea of, of being able to poverty proof other places and, and, and other experiences that children and young people might have
0: Mm. I guess when we're talking about experiences as well so we're talking about how the the summer holidays obviously a really long period of time and you have to fill that time I have a friend who has a really young little brother um and it's like it just every day is a struggle trying to find things to do especially when you're on a low income especially when things cost um the blog piece that you did Georgina about um what you do during the summer holidays um which was have you got anything nice planned this summer um, was about I think it was it costs an extra thousand pound during the summer to find activities uh, to do na-
1: that was national citizen service right. so I've done some research on how much parents pay particularly with teenagers as as far as sort of entertainment over over the um, the summer
0: hmm. do you find that's the case Shana, with kind of summer activities do you find that they're like what access do young people have to them do you think
2: I think when the younger, so um, you know, primary school and stuff, there is days that are put on, um, whether it be like the local community centre or something, which you might find can be um sort of accessible in the sense that the free and the some some of them do uh, provide like a packed lunch, Um so the only cost would be as long as they've got, like, trainers and that sort mm-hmm. of thing. Um, that's perfect for them to attend. attend. Um, and the, there is some that are all day and stuff. But I think as you're sort of getting a little bit older, so, you know, like, high end sort of to the um, primary school and secondary school, there's just less and less available and things become more expensive so you know rather than going to the park with your friend which you know is free obviously um it'll be like going to cinemas and then things like that um i think even a lot of there's um in like newcastle area they do put on like different fest, like free festivals and stuff like that obviously the cost to get there and then while you're out I know everyone will be going. Oh well, how about we we'll all get like you know like matching headbands mm-hmm. and stuff like that? And I think, but when you don't physically have the money, you do feel quite isolated when you're out in that sort of environment. You know the food is ridiculously expensive. Yeah. You know like drinks and stuff when you're out. So although things might seem accessible and stuff, they're just really not because you go there and you're feeling. You know, quite under pressure and quite isolated from everyone else, and um, it just isn't accessible. Really, you're gonna go and you, even if you expect so you've like got the money. You know, one pound forty for your chips, and you turn up, and it's like, oh, it's two pound. It's like, well, it, it's just, it's just not really fair. I don't think. Yeah. I think businesses are looking at obviously from a business perspective, but not you know a, a wider perspective of young people and are they gonna be able to afford it and stuff. Yeah. Um, I know quite a lot of people that I've recently met um, find that drinks are really expensive when they go out so the law was bring a water bottle with them. And what I have found, which is quite good, is a lot of, um, because of the environment things, you can now get your water bottle filled up for free. Mm. In places like Minchellas, I know some cafes do it, um, carriages and stuff. And I think that is, great for a lot of young people, especially like being able to go to the beach and not having to think, oh god, it's going to be so expensive for the money, thinking oh, I can go get my water bottle Mm. filled up. I think that is something that it's more accessible for a lot of young people to be able to go for a day out, but I just still think that even just the small things you know yeah. going on a shopping day or something and thinking oh well I don't need to buy anything I can just go around and then when they're out there they're like right let's go for food and they're like well could we go just somewhere a little cheap or just like get a little bit of food and they're like oh no I fancy going to you know like this Italian restaurant <laughs> <laughs> and you are sort of like I think people struggle when in that one-to-one position with the friends to turn around and go actually I don't have the money because I think there's that whole you don't want to let them down in a sense and you don't want to make yourself more vulnerable. Um, So, yeah, I think that there can be simple changes that could make a lot of things that seem to be accessible actually really be accessible um, Mm -hmm. that places just don't think of. Yeah. But I guess, because I was thinking
0: when we talk about holiday provision and when we think about so I know that South Tyneside have put on a load of holiday provision which is amazing it's great Um, and I know that a few people in Gateshead are working on like putting together a menu for um, holiday provision that's happening so it's like young people can and families can choose where that young person is going every day and like see what food is available and blah blah blah, which would be fantastic but I mean you know when we think about people who are your age Shauna are you 17 is that right yeah yeah so it's like people who are your age and people who are kind of you know they're not primary school or they're kind of coming off secondary school like what is really available for them do you know what I mean And, and what can they access um, as well, even just thinking about, and this is a little bit left field, but even university students do you know I mean like poverty doesn't end when you go to university. If anything, it gets worse. And, um, you know, it's hard to find things and events that are free or don't have hidden costs as well. Because mm-hmm. a lot of time when families or young people are in poverty, you have to think about hidden costs of things like transport and things like that. But I guess that kind of comes to the work that you're doing, Georgina, with um, cultural programs and trying to poverty-proof them as well. Yeah. Do you want to talk a little bit
1: about that? Yeah, so that's exactly what we've been looking at with um, with cultural organisations. We've been looking at um, how events and activities there are accessible for everybody, particularly those that might be um, living in poverty. And we we are talking a lot about, as you mentioned, those hidden costs. So that question of how actually free are free activities mm-hmm. when you add in the transport of of getting to and from there um but also that pressure around um gift shops and food and and all of those other things and i think it's also just something about um about feeling comfortable in places and feeling like um uh, you know that these cultural experiences are, are a place for you that it that it's it's something that um i guess if you're you know we've talked a lot about um if you don't know how you're going to keep the gas or electricity on over the, the weekend and you're not sure how you're going to ch- feed your children over the next few weeks, actually sometimes is it a priority for families to be thinking about um, sort of all of those cultural experiences and opportunities when there's so many other um, stresses that are that are just really draining. So how can cultural organisations and to a larger extent businesses sort of reach out to families that might be struggling financially and 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 you know really um make them feel welcome and make Mm. them feel um like you know it is a a really accessible place that does want to welcome people regardless of their their sort of financial status Mm.
0: yeah because when I went to one of the events with South Tyneside Young People's Parliament um it was in the town hall in South Shields town hall in South Shields is beautiful it's so lovely inside and um I remember I said to one of my friends who's my age like oh I went to the town hall today blah, blah blah and i was like have you ever been in she was like no like i don't i can't be in the town hall like i yeah. don't it almost like i don't belong there do you know what i mean it's like there is a real challenge for people who feel like they don't belong in certain spaces but that's the great thing about sdypp is that um you have these events and places that are really beautiful and really lovely and that maybe people don't feel like they're very welcome in otherwise and say like no like you have you have a right here and you have a place here and um, I guess that kind of brings me on to the work that you were doing. So the UK Youth Parliament is what Sean is a part of. It's a very complicated structure of the British Youth Council of the UK Youth Parliament. Um, but you went to the annual sitting, which was in university in Leeds, right? Yeah. So that was a few weeks ago. Um, and that was another great thing, I guess, to an extent of kind of young people being able to like be in a place like a university and take up space there. And, and then food gets provided and that kind of thing, which is really great. I guess aside from that there was some motions get put forward to go into the manifesto in the UK's Parliament and there was a motion that you sent me which was about tackling child poverty. Do you want to talk a little bit about that and how much it was voted and the kind of impact that it had?
2: Yeah, so um this was introduced by another MYP. Um at first you just sort of seen the the entire um place just sort of looking at each other <laughs> and everyone was getting a bit riled up. Um and then it just went from there. There was a lot being said for um, people in the South, um stood up and was like, you know, the whole... Um, idea that everybody in the south is well off and and that we we can't struggle um, is totally untrue. There was a lot of people opening up about their own experiences. Um, there was somebody who was talking about how she had her friends round, um, but because she lived on a council estate, like they got there and they all just wanted to leave. They just oh said wow. that they, they, they were a bit just yeah they weren't very nice about um a whole living situation um and she was getting a bit upset about that she was um she was amazing talking about it and there was a lot of people talking about the little things that you don't sort of think of i mean i heard somebody talking about you know like bus replacements rather than metros um if you get sort of a for i know for students and stuff you can get the saver cards and stuff like that so you don't buy a ticket you just put money on the car and it's a lot cheaper than buying tickets but then you can't access that um bus you've got to pay for the bus right. so that's extra costs and there was a lot of people saying that um it's, it's happened all over the country at the moment and, and it's meaning people couldn't get uh, places like Pride and stuff um, that they were really excited about obviously that's free for people to go to and that's a huge event Um, that's, that's put on for a lot of young people and I think it makes a lot of people feel like they've got somewhere to go and there was a lot of talk about that um, and in the end i think it was passed by about 97 percent and there was very few i think most people abstained who i think there might have been one or two who disagreed mm. and that was it and i think that was one of the highest pass motions that day and considering what had all about knife crime mental health the environment Um, there was like a huge range of motions. That one sort of stood out, and I think it was something that the youth parliament as a whole, everyone was quite universal in agreement that this is an issue in young people, and it's something that doesn't really get talked about as much as like things like mental health. Mm -hmm. You know, like the environment's quite big. And they said this is an ongoing issue. It hasn't just started now. It's something that's been going on for years and that only recently has schools started thinking about things a little bit more with obviously pressure from other organisations. Um, so yeah, that was that was great.
0: I mean to think that like members of youth parliaments are just like, you know, young people who've been elected in their little local representatives who are from all different kind of backgrounds all kind of agreed on this motion and was like yeah we need to do something to tackle child poverty because it's ridiculous I think that just speaks volumes about how much young people know about this issue and how people are trying to play catch up in the
1: lived experience yeah. for lots of for too many young people really mm-hmm. isn't it you mm-hmm. know um if we go off sort of uh, government statistics 4.1 million children and young people and an increase are in that position so again uh, difficulty here but not all that surprising that it you know and have heard from so many young people who have had that those lived experiences
2: yeah,
0: yeah i guess my question to both of you then is what can we do what can we do to kind of <laughs> solve child poverty no i mean like what can we do i guess is individuals or people who work in local authorities or people who work in education like you know there's obviously so many different roles that we all play in so many different ways that we can have an impact in young people's lives who experience poverty what would you say that people can do like is this should this be like a local authority issue? Should it be a government issue? Should it be an individual issue? Like, what do you what do you think of
1: that? What a big
0: question! <laughs> know, sorry. Um. How do we solve this epidemic? <laughs>
1: I think I think probably a, a bit of everything that you've mentioned that at, at all levels there are steps that that can and should be taken to to address this this really big issue. Um, I think probably most interestingly at an individual level we need to be okay with using that term poverty and talking about it and having some debate and some discussion around it because it is a really emotive issue. But that's okay. Let let's 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 not make it something hidden. Let's not make mm-hmm. it something people need to be concerned of the stigma around let's talk about the reality um at an individual level and i think i would go back to that question we ask in schools which is sort of that that self-reflection for for organizations um uh, around um around why things happen uh, around asking that why question why do you do this this way and why do you do this that way and have you thought about it from the point of view of a family or a young person that's finding things difficult with money. Right. And I think we can ask that question, you know, everywhere, in, in anything that we're yeah. doing, and that would sort of be my my response to how, how we start to solve it.
2: Yeah. What about you, Shanna? Um, I think from just, like, being around, like, young people and stuff like that, I think it's actually quite like no one knows about it in a sense so even just like arranging plans with your friends Mm -hmm. it's nobody that's not the thing you think about it's like for a lot of young people just go ask the mum and dad for money that's fine um and I think a lot of things like opportunities and stuff like that I think it does need to I think. Local authorities do need to think. How can we we make these opportunities like accessible to everyone? So, for example, I know somebody who really wants to get a job but can't afford the clothing to wear for a job. And it's like, what can we do to make sure that this doesn't happen? That you know they do have a starting point so they can you know go and get that money so they can sort of join in with maybe like a few of the other activities with the with the friends and be able to you know have that step out into the the sort of world in a way that a lot of um sort of other people can and it's like oh if i want to go get a job i'll just go get a job that's fine i think as well it's just i think it is it's about having an open mind and stuff and thinking not just narrowly what you can afford and stuff like that Mm. um and just being able to talk about it and stuff i mean I've only recently had um, a teacher come and start a conversation on it because she was particularly interested in um, poverty and stuff in the area. I've never really had a lesson on it. I've never been in an assembly where it's, you know, been made, like, a big fuss of in a a way. I think it's left for a lot of people who are in that position to feel like they're the only ones. And then when these stats come out about, you know, like, four million people, like, young people in poverty it's like, well, where are all these other people? Because I feel quite alone in this. Um, so I think it's just you know, I think a lot of people if if they were faced with poverty and stuff, just to know that somebody else is in that position that they can talk to and relate to and, you know, sort of having that like sort of social support in a sense, um, would help a lot of young people not obviously to tackle <laughs> poverty but to to be in a sense like more comfortable yeah yeah. yeah.
0: I mean about the the amount of young people who are in poverty and then people being like where are those young people like people say that to me all of the time especially about this research project since I started the research project um, I was a delegate at the Commonwealth Heads of Government meeting last year and I was doing this research project and it was all that I wanted to talk about so I was just talking about it at this this big you know Commonwealth meeting and after I talked about it um, a gentleman came up to me and said you know yeah I mean I get what you I know what you're getting at but you know like I just don't think that's a thing you know and when I was younger you know would experience poverty really differently and you know like just this kind of idea that when you know post-war poverty is very different to now and it's like well of course it is you know like we experience such different problems now and like Georgina, what you were saying about like people needing to afford tablets and stuff like that for school like the issue of poverty is so different and, and we need to understand it as that and understand that these 4.5 million young people who are in poverty they're all around us they're not just you know people wherever like they are in our schools and they're in our communities
1: and I think the other thing is around this image sometimes people have about what poverty is and you know what it's looked like in the past and actually again we're really clear when we speak to you when we speak to anybody it's just about not having enough money you know Mm -hmm. that there is no common picture of what that looks like Mm -hmm. it's just about not having enough money to pay for all the things that you need to pay for or access all of the things that everybody around you might also access as well so we quite often hear um, that, that poverty is only homelessness and obviously homelessness is, is absolutely to yeah. do with poverty and, but actually you know we're trying to sort of, you can still have a house but be struggling to pay for everything that needs to be able mm-hmm. to be paid for, that, that is still poverty if you don't have a, mm-hmm. enough money for all of those things. Um, I think the other thing is the issue of debt as well that lots and lots of families um, that are living in poverty will have debts that nobody else would, would necessarily be aware of so just you know because it's not always visible I think it's really difficult to communicate as you mentioned that actually it it doesn't mean that it's not there it's very much there
2: yeah I was just gonna say um, obviously poverty affects everyone differently and I was in a um, school um, not long ago for um, students with additional needs and the Obviously they get extra funding if they've got certain disabilities and stuff, but that covers absolutely nothing for the amount of extra equipment and stuff they need and I think that's a huge thing that their school's been struggling with. It's great in school we've got the equipment and stuff like that these school these like students are doing so well, but then over the summer the the they're, 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 they're like really struggling they you know they can't like keep up that certain standard so they're coming back in September and then academically they're starting again. And then it, it's just the same sort of cycle. In this school, there was a lot of autistic um, young people and a lot of the different like fidgety things and stuff just to calm them down um, was, yeah, it was just they couldn't afford it. You know, the, the headphones, um, fan noise-cancelling headphones and stuff like that are, like, ridiculously expensive when you look into it. Like, some of them are hundreds of pounds if, um, you know, if the child is severely autistic and... A lot of people just can't afford these, but these are necessities for these young people because they can't go about their everyday life without this equipment. Um, so I think it, it just affects everybody differently. You know, these families might be able to afford um, a lot that other people can't, but it doesn't mean they're not struggling.
1: We we hear from um, lots of people sometimes around this idea of priorities and families being able to to manage budgets and actually in our experience those that struggle with money manage budgets better than than anybody because yeah. because they have to because it's a necessity. But actually, also this idea of you know you can see a snapshot of somebody's life and make judgments on how they're spending money and actually as you've said everybody experiences it differently and um, nobody is in any position to sort of look in and and sort of, you know, suggest that actually better money management would be the answer to this, that the answer to this is it's just more money for these mm-hmm. families. It's, you know, I'm yet to meet anybody where it's because of sort of poor decisions around money yeah. and spending. It, that's that's not the case, but I think that can quite often be um, a, a misperception that people have. Mm.
0: Yeah, I think, um, I think you made a really good point as well about how people experience poverty differently because it's different for everyone people who have disabilities and are in poverty experience it so differently and need so many different things that are more expensive um you know people people do make judgments because there's this perception of poverty and I think that's a lot where the stigma comes out of where it's like oh you're in poverty because you've made this poor decision with your money um and it's like you know Poverty is obviously a systemic problem. There wouldn't be 14 million people in poverty in the UK if it wasn't a systemic problem. Because 14 million people aren't doing the budgets wrong. Do you know what I mean? Like, that's not a thing. The, The key thing that I got out of the conversation that I've had with UT today has been that a lot of the issues that we'll have about the stigma of poverty, especially, have come from people maybe... I wouldn't say people hiding their experiences of poverty, but maybe just people not wanting to be vocal about it for the stigma, for kind of the perpetuation of poverty, um, where where you said when people had a just dis- open discussion about it in UKYP, you know, people were piping up about kind of their experiences left, right and centre, you know, because when young people especially are given a voice to be able to talk about their experiences, they absolutely use that voice. And it's the same with you talking to every single young person in the school. Young people just want to talk about their experiences and the hardships. Um, and that's really key in maybe... In trying to end, kind of hiding their experiences of poverty, what can help kind of alleviate poverty? Do you think then? I don't know. This might be a bit of a conceptual question, but do you think then that kind of stopping this this hidden side of poverty, kind of, you know, trying to, as you say, like if you're out with your friends and they want to, you know, buy a certain kind of food but you can't afford it, but you go along with it anyway, do you think that it should be an individual's kind of responsibility to to say like? actually I'm in poverty I'm one of the four million young people who are in poverty like or do you think it should be kind of schools taking that initiative or local authorities taking that initiative or government taking that initiative to say like you know um people experience things really different and and it needs to be a cultural change rather than individuals taking that you know authority and and kind of going to the schools or going to the communities and saying I'm struggling how can you help me what do you what do you think about that that's a really hard question as well yeah. I'm sorry it just kind of came to us
1: <laughs> not not to avoid the question I think it's twofold I think absolutely empower individuals and you know in particular young people to share their own experiences of whatever matters mm. to them and actually for a lot of young people as we're here and poverty is a big issue that they're facing but I think it is something I mean particularly with schools about schools and and, and wider than that creating um situations and experiences where actually children and young people don't have to Don't have to say that. Where they have thought about those issues before they arise, so they have thought about the trip or the food technology lesson or or or, all those experiences, and where actually they're not putting children and young people in that position of having to say, actually, I can't do this because I can't afford it, or that they have already established um, uh, an appropriate route for children and young people to be able to say that, so that they don't have to say it in front of everybody. That it's not that more. Moment um, at the tuck shop, or you know, on the school trip, of saying, "Oh, I haven't got the money," um, but that actually, it it's something that is very much. If 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 you're struggling with this, this is the person you need to speak to, and here's how you speak to them, um, or that the issue isn't there in the first place. Yeah. So I guess about I, I, I would put more the onus on schools to create a, a school day where actually children and young people aren't put in that position in the first place.
2: Mm-hmm. I think one thing about saying it's an individual sort of responsibility is that I think a lot of people would speak up if they felt like they were going to be heard and not judged in the sense that, like, you know, you'd want to turn around and go, yeah, actually, I am struggling for money, but then, you know, not want to turn around and go, well, my, you know, auntie's friends, she's been blah, 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 homeless and all the rest of it and sort of making me feel a bit like you're not in... Like you are in that position and that is an awful position for you to be in and you in the sense that i think some people make you feel like you're not allowed to feel so bad about it if that makes sense Mm. um so i think there's that side of it but i just don't think it's something that you you should have to vocalize at all i don't think it's you know it shouldn't be one of those things like oh like you know I can't afford to do this, I can't, do you know what I mean? I think it should be made in a sense where, in certain terms, that like, it's normal for not everyone to be able to afford Mm -hmm. it as well as you know schools and i think there needs to be a lot more government funding because a lot of what schools are doing do rely on funding whether that be from the government or different organizations or for them a sort of fundraise for it Um, and i think so if that did get implemented and stuff and a lot of uh, sort of resources being able to just be free to access and stuff like i know my sixth form currently you can get pens for free because it's been a huge issue with pens running out and not being able to afford to go get another you know pack of them for you know so long and stuff so pens are now free at my school and but that is something that took surprisingly a lot of fundraising Mm. for um and a lot of like you know money because um, I don't think people realise how expensive just those little things, how mm-hmm. everything adds up. I know in my school it was mandatory for you to have um, highlighters and they are ridiculously expensive yeah. for what you're getting. Um, so I think yeah, government does need to be, um, you know, sort of putting money aside for schools to be able to implement mm-hmm. things because mm-hmm. I think a lot of teachers would love to be able to say, you know, I, I, well, I'll I give you free, um equipment and you know i'll be able to do all this but they they physically are stuck in that sort of position where you know they can nag the head as much as they want to get it but Mm. if the head can't get the money from anywhere it's just that sort of cycle whereas you know the the young people feel like they're not being listened to and that you know, they're they're quite isolated and they can't do anything about it. The teachers are in that sort of frustrated stage where they're trying to do what they can but it's not enough Mm -hmm. and they're in that stage where, you know, he or she knows that that's their sort of responsibility but they can't do anything because the the budget is needed Mm. to go over places. So I think, yeah, there isn't enough money being delegated for tackling poverty in the first place yeah
0: and i think a lot of that comes back to as well kind of ring fencing really important things to children who experience poverty like um people premium or like free school meals y- you know those things need to be protected and i think as well because because we are to the work i guess that children is doing and other organizations to try and make it really apparent that like this is important and children's lives are different if they in school if they're you know on a low income their families are on a low income and I guess it's just coming back to making those provisions for young people just non-negotiable in the budget because I feel like when it's, it's the same like anything in poverty it's like you know when kids are off for the school holidays um it's the parents meal that goes first and then the kids get that food you know and it's in a way, it's kind of the same in school budgets, where it's like if things are going difficultly in school, the first thing that gets taken away are things that kind of benefit young people who are in poverty, because they they don't have to like I know that free school meals aren't um, looked at by Ofsted and that kind of thing. They don't have they don't rate them, so um yeah I think it comes back to that
1: there's a couple of things there if I could just sort of uh, pick up one Uh, the the first one is Ofsted Um, we've looked at this, the framework's changing from September so what schools are are judged and graded by has has been changed slightly after a period of consultation and actually um, you know reading in Ofsted they're talking about students having a wide and rich set of experiences all students particularly those that are disadvantaged so I think that's really um, exciting actually because I hope that that's going that gives schools um, the green light if you like to say actually this is important and this is something that in reading the framework there are lots of other things in there but that offset have said that they, they value as well that students are getting access to a broad curriculum so I think that's that's a a, a positive um a, a positive step and a positive step for schools. I think the other thing is just around we mentioned free school meals and people premium which is the indicator we have in schools usually of, of children that might be living in poverty. Um, one of the, the biggest sort of issues we see in school is that actually whilst they're um, brilliant provisions for schools, they don't encompass everybody that might be struggling financially right. and actually we are finding more and more that there are children and young people who aren't eligible for free school meals and by extension aren't eligible for people premium um particularly because we know that over 70% of children that are of those 4.1 million children that are grown up in poverty are living in a working household um. so therefore those families might not be eligible for free school meals or, or, or people premium as well so this is why we come back to um equity of experience for everybody rather than um sort of trying to decide who might need it you know the hygiene packs are fab that it's just there for everybody rather than saying oh because you've because you're in fall within this category mm. or you know, we can tick this box next year and name therefore you get the support that actually things like, you know, that there's um pens available for everybody, there's hygiene packs available for everybody, um it's a way of ensuring that everybody who's living in poverty might be able to access it rather than just those who are eligible for free school meals because that might not tell you everybody that needs that support.
2: Mm. Mm-hmm yeah so i found that when um the free school breakfasts was introduced at first like a lot of the staff like oh no one's going to turn up you've got to be in school 40 minutes earlier um but 50 percent turnout nearly every single day for free school meals has got to tell you something people are willing to come in 40 minutes earlier to school um to, do, to access it and there's no way that obviously 50% of people are accessing free school dinners either so there is a lot of people that are turning up to get a breakfast that most probably wouldn't have had one um, otherwise that aren't on free school meals so I think things like that is really important um, we've gone way over it's been such an
0: interesting conversation I just couldn't stop it thank you so much Shauna and Georgina for talking to me on the podcast today it's been fantastic
1: it's been really great having you thank you thank Thank you. you